0: The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash savagepremium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to today's podcast where we're going to talk about Halloween, which is now bigger than Christmas. I've always been skeptical of Halloween. You know that. And of course, we're now starting to see the arrival of Wicca, witchcraft, and the occult being embraced by America. What's interesting to me is that if you walk around the white suburbs, the very houses that had the hate Trump signs up before the election, and they love Biden and Harris, have more of the goblins, more of the spider webs, more of the skulls coming out of the ground than the others. Isn't it interesting? Did you know about that? And so people are telling me uh, they have children, sisters looking for Halloween costumes, and they come across children's sexy costumes. Another one told me that a friend of his brother's posted online about teaching his child a Ouija board. And there were similar posts about witchcraft, spells, etc. Of course there's a decline of morality. No one even knows what morality means. And that's thank you, of course, you know, to which group. And of course we're heading closer to Huxley's Brave New World. You may not know this, but many decades ago, I actually visited Aldous Huxley's widow, Laura Archera Huxley, because Aldous was a hero of mine. And um, maybe I should talk about that at another time. But that book, Brave New World, so impressed me that I once drove across the country to see Laura Archera Huxley. It was so important to me. And where are we today? We're exactly where I feared we would be, maybe even worse in some ways. To me, it all crystallized when the father who stood up because he didn't want his children being brainwashed with so-called critical race theory, was beaten up by the cops and threatened being reported as a domestic terrorist. So yeah, there's a lot to be worried about because you can't blame Joe Biden for this as the sole cause of it all, that would be absurd. But we know that Halloween is a paganistic holiday. We know that the cobwebs and the skeletons everywhere with no crosses allowed, the Halloween everywhere you turn, is a mark of the society that we are in. So I wanna go back to something I wrote a number of years ago in my book, God, Faith and Reason. You say, oh, I don't want you to read from your book. Excuse me, it's my book. Why should I not read from my own books when the chapter is appropriate? Why do I have to apologize for that? I'm not copying anyone else's work. So I'm gonna read to you Halloween is bigger than Christmas from my great book, God, Faith and Reason, which I do want you to read, by the way. And here's what I wrote. I said this book is being published between Halloween and Christmas. Well, it's not quite there yet. It says Halloween is now almost bigger than Christmas in the United States of America. It's a further example of the decline of Western civilization, which was built upon Christianity, not paganism. Right. And I wrote this book to somewhat counter the overwhelming influence of the atheists and the agnostics that have unleashed themselves upon our culture and are destroying our children's minds and souls. Across the landscape of America at Halloween, whether it be on suburban lawns or in workplaces, we see little skeletons and cobwebs on lawns, on doors, and even in the workplace. Has anyone noticed that the cross and anything else related to Jesus has been driven out of the workplace? You can't do that. You can't have anything religious on your desk at work, not even a Bible. But you can hang a skeleton from your workplace cubicle, right? That tells you that the anti-God forces are now dictating the terms of our belief system to believe in nothing but paganism and witchcraft, and I'm trying to make you aware on this podcast of the cultural battle being fought and how it affects the souls of people in our nation and around the world, especially our children. I'm sure that if God were more present in our daily lives, whether it be the Ten Commandments up on the walls of a classroom as they were when I was a child, or a Jesus statue on your work desk, or a Bible proudly displayed in your cubicle, or a prayer session from time to time at work, there would be less drug use, less insanity overall, and certainly less violence. Remember, the Ten Commandments have a reason. And that is why I wrote this book, God, Faith, and Reason. And that's why I'm talking about this, because of this obsession with cobwebs and skeletons all across America. I can hear you saying, some of you, oh, don't make such a big deal about it. Just celebrate Halloween with all the other white suburbanite fools. You know, Voltaire, the great French writer was an observer of Parisian life and became famous for writing about the foibles of Parisian society. While I'm certainly not that high up on the totem pole, I write primarily about the foibles of white middle-class suburbanites. And I live in a white suburban middle-class community. Don't get me wrong. The residents are nice people. They don't want to offend anybody. Their lawns are clean and clipped. Their garbage is put out on the right day. Their cans are picked up on the correct day. There's not a leaf left in the driveway because that would be disgraceful. They're nice enough white people, but there's a big butt attached to that. I made a certain observation. The larger the number of Halloween displays on a lawn or a house, the more ghosts, the more eerie things that they put up for their children and the neighborhood children, the more liberal the inhabitants are. It's just an observation. See, I don't have any ghosts hanging from my house, not even a jack of a lantern. So if you're trying to find my house, it's the one without ghosts hanging from the trees and eerie spiderwebs across the hedge. But my neighbors who most supported Biden and Harris have the most spiderwebs and the most ghosts hanging from their trees. The American people have given up their religion and their civilization and replaced them with a sort of death worship. I know a lot of people would say, oh, come on, it's Halloween. The kids just eat candy corn and have fun. Well, my friends, it's more than that. It's symbolic. This obscure pagan holiday has become bigger than the July 4th celebration of independence from Great Britain, bigger than almost any other American holiday bigger than any religious holiday. People who don't go to church, who wouldn't be caught dead in a church, drape fake spider webs on their hedges, celebrating what? The Mexican Day of the Dead? These are symptoms of a dying civilization. Isaiah thirty-two seven eight 8 wrote, The instruments also of the churl are evil. He deviseth he wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words and the needy when he speaketh right. But the liberal deviseth liberal things and by liberal things shall he stand that was written in the old bible you will see the day that bibles will not only be banned but burned in the united states of america under biden harris remember what i'm saying to you today how did we get here how did it happen how did we enter this faithless godless brave new world step by step day by day and only you can fight it step by step and day by day. I'm Michael Savage. Please share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Many of you know I'm on Newsmax TV now three times a week. I'm on on Tuesdays on Grant Stinchfield's show. I'm on Thursdays on Cortes and Pellegrino. And then I'm on on Saturday on a great show and most of you cannot watch all of these shows so we have a very good treat for you I think we're gonna put them all together on Fridays for you with my regular Friday podcast so here are my Newsmax appearances for this week I was on the Cortes and Pellegrino show where we discussed Attorney General Garland you know who he is don't you what a piece of work that left-wing fanatic is and his persecution of parents protesting critical race theory as taught in schools he called them domestic terrorists i asked what is biden smoking i think you'll enjoy it listen
1: now let's bring in the host of the michael savage show our friend dr michael savage michael great to have you with us tonight
0: jen thank you for having me so what's the topic tonight other than the topic we're talking about
1: (laughs) well certainly not a slow news day obviously uh you know michael during the testimony garland admitted uh, that the basis for going after these parents was a letter from the national school boards association not real evidence now listen to this exchange between ranking member jim jordan and garland
2: when did you first review the data
3: showing this so-called disturbing uptick so I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's that's your source? So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an Is there some study,
2: some effort, some investigation someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptick, or you just take the words of the National School Board Association?
1: So while this testimony was going on, we learned through newly surfaced emails that the Biden administration collaborated with them before sending the now infamous memo. So is Garland lying? uh, Or Michael, do you think he's really this out of touch?
0: What would you expect from a Harvard professor who had always dreamed of being appointed to the Supreme Court by by Obama and was passed over? Now he has the most powerful legal position in the world, and he is abusing that position. He's abusing the American people. But most importantly to the liberals who may be listening, the one or two liberals who might tune in, he's abusing our First Amendment. He's abusing our right of freedom of uh, speech and of assembly. It's a nightmare what is going on. His daughter-in-law, his daughter rather, and his son-in-law are making money off this race theory. It's not critical race theory. We've got to stop using their rhetoric, Jen. It's attack white people theory. That's all it is. It does not criticize black people. It does not criticize Asian people. It does not criticize Hispanic people. It only says white people are bad. White people stole the land. White people did this. White people did that. Children, as I've said before, are coming home wrecked, broken. It's child abuse and it has to stop and there's always money involved. And parents are finally standing up to these SOBs and there has to be consequences has to be consequences for this
1: and Michael what was really shocking I think for me as well as probably a lot of people is Garland had no idea about the Loudoun County Public Schools sexual assault allegations he didn't know how many people have been prosecuted for crossing the border we could go on Uh, the the Republicans should have asked what do you know
0: Garland as I said is a snaky lawyer from Harvard you can never get a straight answer out of a snake Think of two heads, two voices, two tongues, it's a nightmare what we're living through. And if this shoe were on the other foot and this kind of behavior was going on against the rioters in Antifa or BLM, under Trump's attorney general, what would be going on in the streets in this country? Imagine if this was about Trump's attorney general attacking verbally a crowd that is burning down buildings. Can you imagine what they would have said? And so everything is reversed, Jen. The world is upside down. It's topsy-turvy. It's Alice in Wonderland. It is upside down. The problem is they control it all, Jen. Who is going to go after them when you have people like uh, Wolf Blitzer, Anderson Cooper, and the others who are in their pocket? Who is going to attack them? Sure, you're doing it. Newsmax is doing it. Great people on Newsmax are doing it. But the media is ignoring and the average person is watching sports or they're interested in laundries, remains uh, down in the swamp at the alligator ate them. You know, they're not going to pay attention to this. But let's not lose the picture. Parents are incensed. Their children are coming home attacked. It's child abuse. CRT is not critical race theory. It's criticized white theory. That's all it is. And the parents have every right to protect their children and stand yeah. up to these racist SOBs on these school boards. That is what democracy is all about. And actually, Jen, we're seeing democracy in action. And we're also seeing fascism, crypto-fascism emerging from the Biden administration saying, that's not allowed. You are domestic terrorists. Look at the mothers. It will be the mothers of all races who saved this nation from these SOBs, Jen. And all That's I right. can say is, because I know my time is short, I can sense it, having been in the media for so many years. <laughs> Jen, you know what us are too they, well, Michael. Jed, I have I have my prop. What are they smoking? You know, I collect antiques.
1: <laughs> I this know. is an
0: old this is an old Chinese opium pipe. Uh, oh my goodness. Inactive, course, Where did like you find that? Ina- oh, in an antique store fifty years ago. But it's inactive, I should say, like an inactive automatic weapon. In case someone thinks I actually tried it. But what are they smoking in the Biden administration? <laughs> so true.
1: Well, we Man, do know. Wouldn't you love to know? It's just Jen, another day here in the swamp.
0: When it comes to Dr. Biden, Michael we know what Savage. he's smoking. We know what he's smoking <laughs> when it comes to Biden, and it's not even opium. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> That's probably true. Anyway, thanks Dr. For Michael having Savage, me. always, always a, pleasure. a pleasure.
1: Thanks for joining us. You take care.
0: Bye. Thank you.
1: <laughs> See you soon.
0: On Saturday's appearance on Newsmax TV, we discussed the out of control crime wave in San Francisco and other liberal cities, and I said the solution was to unleash the cops, take the handcuffs off the cops and put them on the homeless thieves. Listen carefully.
2: Homeless camps sprawl across once family-friendly cities, and while the state's Democratic leadership tries to get the homelessness situation under control, new relaxed laws have sent that state into a crime crisis. Viral videos show people just casually walking into stores and putting merchandise into bags and then walking out with no pushback from police. So joining me now is California resident and host of the Michael Savage
0: podcast, Dr. Michael
2: Savage. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us tonight.
0: Alex, thanks for having me. Uh, We have people say, well, we're gonna become like Venezuela. We are Venezuela in San Francisco on a minor scale. You gotta remember why this is happening. We have a DA who is a communist, a lifetime communist. His parents are convicted murderers. The DA will not prosecute these cases. The police have handcuffs on. There's no point in stopping them. They're out the next day. They're doing the same thing. They're robbing. We know the solution to the problem, which is law and order. Now, what does that mean? It means a DA who actually prosecutes criminals, not police. That's number one. But the problem is beyond that, Alex. We all know that the homeless situation is the real problem. And the solution to that, in my estimation, is reopen the state mental hospitals and take them out of those tents, take them off the streets against their will and give them the care that they need. They can't get care in a tent. And without civility, there could be no civil society. This is not a civil society. This is a third world society that we have not only in San Francisco, but Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, any major city that is run by far left Democrats have descended into mini Venezuelas. Hmm. The solution, again, take the handcuffs off the police, put them on the criminals and reopen the mental hospitals. I don't think it's rocket science.
2: And, you know, a lot of people talk about America first agendas, for example. Those are the Americans that need the help the most. Uh, I mean, they I've I've lived in Los Angeles, San Diego, out in California. Uh, You don't have to walk far from the glamorous fashion districts to find people quite literally living in tents. But it does raise the question, what has kept you living in San Francisco with these liberal policies? uh, Some prominent Republicans have moved to other states. But what makes you decide to stay in California?
0: people keep saying if you hate it so much why don't you leave and they don't understand it's called blood and soil i mean (laughs) an old phrase i have property here i have family here i have friends here i love the fog i love the birds i love the mountains i love the water those were not yet destroyed by the communists and so there are deeper things than politics that keep a person connected to their land this is something that europeans understand Hmm. this is certainly something that middle easterners understand americans seem to think that if you don't like the politicians just leave well it may come to that the onerous taxation the crime etc but you know you can weave your way through it alex you can still weave your way through it venezuelans still go about their daily lives trying to make the best they can of their lives even under that socialist dictator uh, maduro and so we don't cut and run just because we have communists running uh, the city i was in there last week i went to chinatown believe it or not I wanted to play risky with COVID. The fact is, is I love Chinatown. The food is better there than anywhere in the country. Sorry, it's probably not politically correct to even say Chinatown, you know, but it's the largest Chinatown outside of China. And I've been going there for 50 years. I love the food there. I love the people. I like watching the people going about their business. But Alex, you know what I like the most about Chinatown in San Francisco? The people go on with their lives because they know how to do that, Alex. Yeah, I think they have the little, st- they have little stores and they have the shops and they amble about their lives. They go about their lives. They ignore what's going on around them. To the and by the way, some good news here. A lot of Asian people were being beaten up in the city, attacked and really hurt elderly, elderly people. I mean, really beaten up. We saw two young Asian-American, I believe they were Chinese cops on the street, for the first time in Chinatown. These were tough kids, probably very skilled at martial arts, combat, They were protecting their communities, finally. The community spoke up and demanded help, and they put cops on the street. Hmm. But they weren't called domestic terrorists for saying that the elders were being beaten up, you see. That's the difference. So there's a little hope out there when the communities will stand up. You know, there's an old saying from the 70s, when the leaders won't lead the people, the people need to lead the leaders. Well, that's what's going on across the land. Because we have a leaderless ship. We have a senile, as your last guest said, it was very touching. He is very sick. There's no question. He has pre-senile dementia. He's a very sick man. And it's almost elder abuse to watch what they're doing to Biden. When his hands froze up, I thought of a relative who had Parkinson's. The man was lost. He did not know where he was. You don't do this to elderly people. But here's the nightmare. She's worse than him. The hack, the cackler. Hmm. Imagine that if we replace him with the cackler. What's going to go on in this country? So we don't know which way to turn. Yeah, well, I'll say this. It's a good thing that, for
2: example, some of those Asian American communities are stepping up because we know that hate crimes against Asian Americans are on the rise. And if the police are handcuffed from doing their job, they have to protect themselves. But San Francisco Mayor London Breed she claims that she has a plan for all of this. Politico writing that she's getting tough on crime. Her plan is a privately funded cash reward as of much as $100,000 for information that leads to the arrest of members of organized crime rings involved in petty theft and the endemic car break-ins known as smash and grabs. Do you think this is a step in the right direction or is she going the wrong path?
0: (laughs) It's window dressing. There's only one solution to crime, which is unleash the cops, put the DA in prison, put a real district attorney who prosecutes crimes. Do you know you can't park a car in the streets of San Francisco without risking having your windows broken in? I had it happen two years ago uh, out in the avenues, for example. I never thought it would happen out there. The gangs roll up on bicycles. They look in the window. They then call another one. They come up, break the window, and take everything out of the car. You can't believe the city. It's like Kristallnacht in the morning. Hmm. There's crystal all over the streets. We have a crime wave that is out of control because of the liberal governor, because of the liberal district attorney who's really a communist, and because of an incompetent, impotent legislature. So what's the solution? There are plenty of cops out there who would like to take these people in. They'd oh. like to do the right thing. They're tough enough. They're strong enough. They're smart enough, yeah. but they're not allowed to do it. Unleash the cops well, and you will have the solution. This past Tuesday on Newsmax TV, we talked about the direction the left is taking the nation. And I asked what happened to the three R's that they used to teach in school? How did the three R's suddenly become the two D's and an R? Degeneracy, depravity and racism. Let's listen.
3: Joining me now is someone who's been exposing the Democrats political game for decades. host of the savage nation radio show and host of the michael savage show podcast dr michael savage is here dr savage
0: great to have you back on nightmarish pictures mental domination through intimidation bullying using the fbi and doj this is liberal fascism which is still fascism grant whatever happened to teaching the three r's reading writing and arithmetic so to speak now that we have the two d's in the r degeneracy depravity and racism when i grew up i had composition books i had to learn how to write Nice penmanship, right, Grant? But whatever well, happened to the teaching? Where are these progressives actually taking us, Grant? Do they know where they're actually well, going? You know where they're taking
3: us. They're taking boys into girls' r- bathrooms, <laughs> girls into boys' bathrooms. They're, they're damaging the minds of people teaching us that somehow America is a racist nation. But you know the other pictures that I started with, Dr. Savage, really are phenomenal. When you see Black Lives Matter standing with, as the Black Lives Matter guy said, Trump waving Republicans, something is happening in America here because of Joe Biden's oppression.
0: Grant, yeah, I couldn't believe this. actually. I couldn't believe it. it. Maybe it's a hopeful sign. But Grant, if I may quickly, there is the story of the Arctic Explorer, which I've talked about once in a while who reported he was moving north at two miles per day and making great progress towards his goal of reaching the North Pole. But in fact, he was on an ice floe that was moving south at a rate of three miles a day, so he was in reality moving backwards at one mile per day, which is typical of progressives today. They tell us they're moving society towards some socialist paradise when they're in fact moving us backwards at an alarming rate, pushing us all into greater division, greater racial enmity and ignorance towards a darkness we may never recover from, Grant. That's a story that should not be forgotten. They're moving us backwards, not forwards.
3: All right, do you fear that we may never recover from this? Because I'm seeing signs of America's resilience. I still have hope that that we beat this in the end if we're strong about it.
0: I become rather pessimistic about it because the forces of power, mental domination, the media fools like Anderson Cooper who should be thrown out of the media for what he did the other day with Biden. And I want to just bring up Biden again. I feel bad for the man. I know you say, what? When I saw him, Anderson was answering questions for him. Andy Blooper was answering his questions. And poor Biden, who has pre-senile or senile dementia, did you see him reach out and hold on to imaginary bars? That was a sad moment. But the king has no clothes. We all see this. But what's waiting in the wings is Willie Brown's cackler. There's almost no hope on the Democrat side. There's no stability there. And so where are we going? I'm afraid we're going south at three uh, miles a day here, not north at uh, four miles a day. And I don't know how this is going to reverse itself when you have such monstrous regressives on the Democrat side and a senile old man who should be given the care he needs. That's what worries me. me, These are bullies. Let me use the government. They're using the FBI and DOJ to intimidate all of us. That's the most frightening part of it all. It's right out of early days of Pol Pot in Cambodia, which is the topic of my podcast today. And I don't want to go into it, obviously, but that's what worries me the most is where this takes us. All right. So let me
3: leave you with this as we go, as we're out of time. I believe also waiting in the wings... Stinchfield's army and Savage Nation, and they're all together, and we are not giving up on this country. They may be fighting hard, we will fight harder. In the end, I'm gonna make a guarantee, we win this one, whether Cacklin Kamala gets in or not, we will prevail because
0: this country's too good to lose, Dr. Savage, real quick. You'll be the general. You lead the charge and I will follow you with, with my machine gun of words. Well, what an honor for a guy like you to say that to me, buddy. Thank you
3: so much. I'm, I'm happy to stand side by side with you, sir, and it's always great having you on the program. Well,
0: you're the Texan right,
3: warrior. Well, it's great, Dr. Savage. Texas warrior. <laughs> I try. I, I try. I try, my man. We try. Uh, all of us down here in Texas fight like the dickens, man. We really do.
0: The Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. Aldous Huxley predicted the horrible, nightmarish world that we live in. In his book, Brave New World, which most of us heard about, he talked about a few things. And so we went back into the archives and pulled a show that I featured years ago, an interview that Aldous Huxley actually did in 1958. Believe it or not, we have his voice live, not my show, but him live, where Huxley talked about technology, propaganda, and the use of mind-altering drugs, which we're going to listen to. I searched through my book, Brave New World, and I found some things that I had marked with post-its, and one of them was this, where they're having a dialogue, and uh, he writes this, sleep teaching was prohibited in England. At the time, there was something called liberalism. Parliament, if you know what that was, passed a law against it, but the record survived. Speeches about liberty were banned because liberty was found to be inefficient and miserable. Freedom was said to be a round peg in a square hole. This is what he wrote back when he wrote Brave in the World, which is why it's a classic. It was so chillingly predictive of Joe Biden, published in 1932, predicting the nightmarish world that this senile old bum is pushing on us. On page 48 of Brave in the World, he talks about a savage reservation. Did you know that? A savage reservation where they put the equivalent of MAGA people into reservations who wouldn't conform. To the brave in the world did you know about that hmm you know about the regular use of soma on people the regular use of contraceptives given to people and then he writes about this there was a thing as i've said before called christianity did you know about that all crosses had their tops cut off and became teas there was also a thing called god We have the World State Now and Ford's Day celebrations and community sings and solidarity services. How I hate them, said Bernard Marx. He has a character called Bernard Marx. And then he talks about euphoric, narcotic, pleasantly hallucinant. That's the uh, drugs of today that people are on. They gave the people drugs to keep them calm. And he's had a saying in it. And do remember this, that a gram is better than a dam. They went out laughing. That's a gram of Soma. They kept the population constantly drugged that's biden's unbrave new world let's listen to Aldous huxley and maybe you'll learn something mike wallace interviewed aldous huxley in 1958 and you have to see well we went and looked it up and the, the wonderful team i have went and dug it up for me the actual interview from 1958 of one of the great authors of all time aldous huxley you may know him from his novel brave new world maybe you know him from other novels I was so enamored of his writing that I read every book he ever wrote and every article he ever wrote. I went to England as a matter of fact when I was still able to go there and I went into some great library in London and I found magazine articles that Huxley had written on furniture of all things and on architecture. You know when you fall in love with an author you read everything they write, do you know that or not? I did. And I came out actually enjoying him more than ever. His brother was also a brilliant man. Julian Huxley was a biologist, brilliant family. But Huxley Uh, Predicted things about the time we are living in in that 1958 interview by Mike Wallace. The guys put together a phenomenal couple of segments for us on Aldous Huxley predicting the world that we are living in. Now, again, it's not just braving the world with the alphas, betas, gammas, and deltas. We know who the deltas are. That would be Occasional Cortex, that would be Rashida Tlaib. That would be that group. They's, those are the deltas out of Brave New World who think that they're the alphas, but they're lower than the de- the, be- the betas, lower than the deltas. They're actually the gammas. And the gammas are the loudest in the crowd. And so uh, here's what I promised you. Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, predicted the world we live in, drugs, brainwashing, tech fascism, to be discussed today on The Savage Nation with original sound of Aldous Huxley. Many of you read Brave New World in high school or college and kind of dismissed it. I wouldn't be that dismissive. In 1958, Mike Wallace, who was the father of, I called him Meatball, and the junior, Meatball Junior is Chris Wallace, the snide, sneering one. But at least Wallace did occasionally a good show. He did. He was a good interviewer. And he interviewed Aldous Huxley in 58, and he asked Huxley, as you see it, who and what, are the enemies of freedom here in the United States. In other words, it was a leading question. Huxley didn't take the bait, and he said, I don't think you can say who in the United States. I don't think there are any sinister persons that are deliberately trying to rob people of their freedom, he said. But he said there are a number of technological devices which anybody who wishes to use can use to accelerate the process of giving of, of going away from freedom, of imposing control. Here is Aldous Huxley in his own words in 1958 in H1. As you see it, who and what are the enemies of freedom here in the United States?
4: Well, I don't think you can say who in the United States. I don't think there are any sinister persons deliberately trying to rob people of their freedom. But I do think, first of all, that there are a number of impersonal forces which are pushing in the direction of less and less freedom. And I also think that there are a number of technological devices which anybody who wishes to use can use to accelerate this process of going away from freedom, of imposing control.
0: Hmm. Was that ever ever, uh, correct? Technological devices. So what was he talking about in 1958? Television? Radio? But mainly television at that time. Remember, the computer wasn't really readily available to the average person. God only knows what he would have thought of children walking around with iPhones in their cribs, right? In H2, he talks about technology as it becomes more and more complicated. Let's hear that one.
4: Well, another force which I think is very strongly operative in this country is the force of what may be called over-organization, uh, as technology becomes more and more complicated, it becomes necessary to have more and more elaborate uh, organizations, more hierarchical organizations. And incidentally, the advance of uh, technology has been accompanied by an advance in the science of organization. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. And so that you have more and more people. Living their lives out as subordinates in these hierarchical systems controlled by bureaucracies either The bureaucracies of big business or the bureaucracies of big government
0: You hear this? Now he refers in the next clip. This is Aldous Huxley in 1958 interviewed by Mike Wallace about Hitler and how Hitler used uh, Technology and terror to get where he was listen to h3
4: Well, there are certainly devices which can be used in this way I mean, let us uh, take uh, a piece of very recent and very painful history, is the uh, propaganda used by Hitler, which was incredibly effective. I mean, what were Hitler's methods? Hitler used terror on the one kind, brute force on the one hand, but he also used a very efficient uh, form of uh, of propaganda, which uh, uh, he was using every modern device at that time. He didn't have TV, but he had the the radio, which he used to the fullest extent, Mm -hmm. and was able to uh, impose his will on an immense mass of people. I mean, the Germans were a highly educated people. Mm.
0: The Germans were a highly educated people. That, of course, is one of the great tragedies of civilization, which is that probably the most advanced civilization on the earth at the time, the, the German people, and incredible music and art, and science became the most terrible on the planet because they used advanced technology to kill people, especially in the, the killing machines of the death camps. Uh, it's amazing what happened in that country at that time. He then talks about the communist countries in a clip. Let's jump to H5. Listen to this one.
4: Well, at present, the television, I think, is being used uh, quite harmlessly. It's being used, I think, uh, i would feel it's being used too much to distract everybody all the time but i mean imagine which must be the situation in all communist countries where the television where it exists is always saying the same thing the whole time is always driving along it's not creating a wide front of distraction it's creating a one-pointed uh, drumming in of a single idea all the time it's obviously an immensely powerful instrument <laughs>
0: Doesn't that sound like ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, and CNN always saying the same thing the whole time without mentioning the T word? It's around-the-clock propaganda against the President of the United States. This is absolutely an example uh, of that. Now, what about pharmacology? Remember in the late 50s, the psychoactive chemicals that most of you are on today didn't exist. What drugs were women and men on in the fifties if a person was nervous or anxious they probably took a type of milltown or librium called a meprobamate, which was very similar to the the phenobarbital type of drugs and many housewives were hooked on a meprobamate or milltown and librium and they would down it with a glass of wine they were stoned most of the time not many quite a few you don't know that but that was about it then there were the bennies being given out by um uh, diet doctors in New Jersey and other places to the, to the wives who felt they were, uh, didn't look like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, so they were hooked on, on Benzedrine, and they were psychotic from that. But the kind of drugs that Americans are on today were not even conceptualized at that time. The SSRIs, for example, for good and for bad, for better or for worse, they can be life-saving, don't get me wrong. They can make people's lives tolerable where they're intolerable. But there's been a lot of homicides and suicides tied to these SSRIs as an unexpected side effect of constantly playing with the serotonin levels in a person's brain. So Huxley predicted the pharmacology that was coming in clip six. Listen to this.
4: And I think it's quite on the cards that we may have drugs which will profoundly change our mental states without doing us any harm. I mean, this is the the pharmacological revolution which has taken place, that we have now powerful mind-changing drugs which, physiologically speaking, are almost costless. I mean, they are not like opium or like coca, uh, cocaine, which uh, do change the state of mind, but uh, leave terrible results physiologically
0: and morally. <laughs> Did you hear that little piece about cocaine? That's 1958 now in an interview by Mike Wallace, who was a phenomenal interviewer, incidentally. Let us see what he says in number seven about drugs. I want to hear that one.
4: In regard to the use of the of the drugs, we know there's enough evidence now uh, for us to be able, on the basis of this evidence, and using a certain amount of creative imagination, to foresee the kind of uses which could be made in a, uh, by people of bad will with these things, uh, and to attempt to to forestall this. And in the same way, I think with these other methods of uh, propaganda, we can foresee and we can do a good deal to forestall. I mean, after all, um, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance.
0: The price of freedom, my friends of the savage nation, is eternal vigilance. That's certainly not his original statement, but he saw what was coming. Not finally for the day, but finally for this segment. In, uh, I believe, in, in clip seven, he talks about drugs again. Let's hear. Did we play seven? Yes. So let's go to number eight. I think this is a great one.
4: Now, I, I think what, what is going to happen in the future is the dictators will find, as the old saying goes, that you can do everything with bayonets except sit on them. That if you want to preserve your power indefinitely, you have to get the consent of the ruled. And this they will do partly by drugs, as I foresaw in uh, in Brave New World, partly by these uh, new techniques of, uh, uh, of propaganda. Mm-hmm. They will do it by bypassing the sort of rational side of man and appealing to his uh, subconscious and his uh, deeper emotions and uh, his physiology, even, and so making him actually love his slavery. I mean, I think this is the danger, that actually people may be in some ways, happy under the new uh, regime, but they will be happy in a situation where they oughtn't to be
0: happy. You hear? Happy as slaves. Happy little slaves. All because of brainwashing and the use of drugs. Now, if you read Brave New World in high school or college, which many of you uh, have read, you remember the society was being... uh, Created in laboratories. I, I love that when I first read it in high school. God did it revolutionize my thinking and uh, They would alter the embryo and the development of the embryo with outside influences whether they be a chemical or through stimuli and and they could then create the uh, Zygote that they wanted and it could emerge into the human that they wanted whether it would be an alpha uh, human that would be born meaning the highest level of intellect that would be running the society, or the beta, or the delta, or the gamma, uh, and the others. And it was amazing to read how he foresaw uh, the future of the world. Now, have we gotten to the alpha, beta, delta, and gamma? I think when you listen to some of the dumbest people in the history of the world in Congress, you have to say to yourself, how did so many deltas and gammas wind up in Congress. You have to ask yourself that question. The answer is take a look at the districts they're in. They're largely non-English speaking. Yes, I will say it. Districts where the people do not even understand the language of the land. They are. uh, You take occasional court Texas district in Queens, for example. 55% of it are illegal aliens who should never have been able to vote to begin with. Most of them do not read or speak English. They don't even know what the heck she is talking about. All they know is that she's young and she has two Hispanic last names and so they vote for any of her crazy uh, statements. This is the danger that we are in. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw.
4: The to depends on the individual voter making an intelligent and rational choice for what he regards as his enlightened self-interest in any given circumstance. But what these people are doing, I mean, what both for their particular purposes, the selling goods and the dictatorial um, propagandists are doing, is to try to bypass the rational side of man and to appeal directly to these unconscious forces below the surface, so that you are, in a way, making nonsense of the whole democratic procedure, which is based on conscious choice of, on rational grounds. Aldous
0: Huxley, 1958. Interview by Mike Wallace, great interview, and he talked about technology, drugs, dictatorships, propaganda, and I spent one hour so far on this show, Uh, I reviewed the movie 1917, which I disliked, and I told you why, I read reviews from others that didn't like it, told you why, I read all the stories on michaelsavage.com, made comments, and then I read about Huxley, And there were no phone calls except one or two, and they were off-topic. And I became frustrated, and I said to you, I believe that what's happening right now on this radio show is an example of exactly what's happening in our society. That society has been so brainwashed and drugged that the talk radio audiences in particular are almost incapable of discussing anything except Democrat-Republican, trump Uh, you name it, one, two, three, and that's it. And for me, it's not worth doing the show if I can't get callers like you, because I know you're out there. I said that to you at the end of the last hour. I'm very upfront with you. In other words, if you've been in a, a medium like this for so long and you see people are not able to discuss a movie, not to discuss a book, not to discuss an interview, what can they talk about? Trump good, Trump bad. Dem socialist Republicans won the... What's the point of doing it? Le- leave it to others. That's all they want to do. Let them do it. So what happened is all of a sudden you can't get on the show. The lines are jammed. Did I have to browbeat you into calling the show? Did I have to embarrass you into calling the show? What happened here that all of a sudden this feels like talk radio again? This is interesting to me. Uh, and and, and it, it has deep ramifications. You could almost say Savage gets frustrated with his audience, says the audience is incapable of a discussion outside of Donald Trump and the Democrats, and all of a sudden they're calling on all the topics that he was trying to talk about, like a movie review on the movie, et cetera, et cetera. It's very interesting to me what's going on, but you are there. So let's take the calls in the order that we have them up here on the Savage Nation. And thank you for calling. Line one, Rob in San Jose, what's on your mind?
5: Um uh, I'm very intrigued by your uh your the interview that you know, you're putting out there with Wallace and uh, Huxley you know about pharmacology and everything about uh, you know behavior modification about uh you know be, basically uh you know societal developments and I see it happening today. You know we're trying to be there's all sorts of behavior modification that you could see that that there is um social engineering It's a very fascinating—I didn't know that he would consider technological devices way back then. then, Yes. See,
0: that's that's the point of my digging it up. 1958, Mike Wallace, who was a fabulous uh, interviewer—need I say, I'm not a fan of his son, the snide son there, Meatloaf Jr. But let's leave Meatloaf Jr. out of this equation. Fabulous interview with one of the great minds of of all time. Uh, A man who's influenced my life deeply because I was terrified when I read Brave the World. Uh, of the thought that in the future, babies would be made in a factory and modified as they were developing in the embryo, embryonic stage uh, through chemicals that were inserted into the developing fetus, etc. Look where we are today. Are we that far from it, Rob? I don't think so.
5: Well, we're not, you know, and I really think that, um, you know, it's really sad that, that, you know, that people are being propagandized in and and... Like you said, there's one station or a group of stations that's drilling. It's got to be Google, too,
0: though. It's got to be Oh, absolutely. The demons at these, these tech companies, when you see them, do I have to name who they are? They're, they're literally demigods. They're demigods, every one of them. And they, they have total and absolute, almost total and absolute control over the society.
5: But it seems also that there's a consortium of people out there who are positioned in the, all the cities, like, let's say, in California and around the country that are a part of this group think, this sort of top echelon of, of trying to, uh, you know, herd the sheeple along and, uh, and get them dumbed down and, and, and pull the wool over their eyes and get them to work like Epsilons. You know, down so so you,
0: you read Brave New World, the Epsilon thing, yes?
5: The book. I love that book. Yeah, and
0: it's interesting that he has a character in it called Bernard Marx, who was a specialist on hypnopedia. Wasn't that wonderful that he knew who Karl Marx was and he called him Bernard Marx in there? Well, I, you know, the part of the book that struck me as so appropriate is the Savage Reservation. Do you remember that in the book, Brave in the World? There
5: was so it was, you know, it was uh, such a very a, a young person to read that. It was mind blowing. And I would love to go back and read it again. I think
0: you should, everyone listening to this show, should read Brave New World for the first time or the tenth time and pay attention particularly to the savage reservation because in many ways we are the savage reservation. We're almost the last reservation of people with independent minds left in the media. And I thank you for calling. That's what I'm trying to get at. Do you know how close we are to losing our independence completely? No matter which side you're on, do you know how, how, how menial most of the discussions are that we engage in? Do you know how debasing it is to the human mind and consciousness to be so focused on nothingness as politicians? With all the ramifications and the importance of politicians, they're not the be-all and end-all of existence. In fact, most people go about their daily lives and business without paying much attention whatsoever to politicians a while ago i read from the doors of perception and heaven and hell by alice huxley we all know brave in the world and it's funny i keep both of these books near me when i do the show and um in the doors of perception heaven and hell which was a book he wrote after taking a uh, uh, a mushroom trip which would be a masculine i suppose he had a whole epiphany by the way i met his widow laura huxley when i was very young I uh, flew out to Hollywood. i never forget it as long as I live. A photograph of her doorway, the name Huxley on it was magical to me. And I wanted to uh, publish his film scripts, his, his um, un- unproduced film scripts. And she had agreed and never worked out. I was young and I was filled with ideas. It was an interesting concept to take all of Huxley's film. Maybe someone will take it and do it. I don't really care. I'm past worrying about what anyone does with my ideas. You know, take them and run with them. So I met with her, and I never forget, I went up to um, Mulholland Drive, which is fascinating to me. As a New Yorker at the time, a guy who lived in Manhattan, uh, to go to Los Angeles. I'm talking about what year, I don't even know, 64, 65, I don't remember the year. And then to drive up on Mulholland Drive and see the house with a swimming pool that looked like it was suspended from the sky itself, and meet the kid Juan, who was one of the characters in one of the books, it was unbelievable to me to live through that. Uh, But I'm getting ahead of myself. So in the book, wait a minute, what did she say to me? I think I could divulge this now that it's coming back to me. I think she published it. I don't know if she only said it to me, Laura Archer Huxley. I think she wrote that she spoke with Aldous after he had passed away through a medium and she, She told me, or she wrote, and I can't remember which, that uh, mescaline was not what he thought it was. It was not at all what he thought it would be and what he had written about. He was wrong about it. So you know, that's something interesting, is that he was mistaken about how wonderful it was. So in this book, The Doors of Perception, I'll never forget, I read this during the period to make this very political, when um, the Democrats' friends in ISIS were raping, murdering, and blowing things up across the Middle East. You know Bernie Sanders' friends? The, you know the Democrat Party, the friends of the Democrats, ISIS, the people they love so much. And I, I was sitting watching news stories of them blowing up churches, blowing up artifacts, blowing up Buddhist temples that were 1400 years old and I couldn't believe the world would let this go on. I was enraged that the UN was so worthless that they wouldn't stop these Muslim fanatics. And then I referred to when they got to Palmyra, what they had done in Palmyra. And I read from The Doors of Perception. It's only three paragraphs. Huxley wrote about this. And he's talking about Palmyra, one of the great, great, great places on earth that was partly destroyed by the Muslim fanatics in ISIS because it wasn't sufficiently Muslim. And he wrote this, from glass stained or cut we pass to marble and the other stones that take a high polish and can be used in mass. The fascination exercised by such stones may be gauged by the amount of time and trouble spent in obtaining them. At Baalbek, for example, and two or three hundred miles further inland, at Palmyra, we find among the ruins columns of pink granite from Aswan. Listen to this now. These great monoliths, were quarried in Upper upper Egypt, were floated in barges down the Nile, were towed across the Mediterranean to Byblos or Tripolis, and from thence were hauled by oxen, mules, and men, uphill to Homs, and from Homs southward to Balbek, or cast across the desert to Palmyra. What a labor of giants. And from the utilitarian point of view, How marvelously pointless. But in fact, of course, there was a point. A point that existed in a region beyond mere utility. Polished to a visionary glow, the rosy shafts proclaimed their manifest kinship with the other world. At the cost of enormous efforts, men had transported these stones from their quarry on the Tropic of Cancer and now, by way of recompense, The stones were transporting their transporters halfway to the mind's visionary antipodes. I've never heard writing like this in my life, nor a vision like this. It's beyond comprehension what we have lost as we have descended into the age of Google. But now this one is a different point of view altogether. Now, before we move on, we have a short period of time here. I want you to listen to Huxley. Uh, on uh, brainwashing of children listen to and tell me listen to this when you see them bringing in drag queens into the first grade when you see them trying to brainwash our children into believing there's more than two sexes you understand how far this society has collapsed because people are cowards and they're afraid of the terrorists the social engineering terrorists listen to 11 and 12
4: well, I mean, here okay, this whole question of children, I think, is a terribly important one because the uh, children are quite clearly much more suggestible than the average grown-up. And uh, suppose that, uh, that for one reason or another, all the propaganda was in the hands of one or very few agencies, you would uh, have a, an extraordinarily powerful force playing on these children, who, after all, are going to grow up and be adults quite soon. Uh, I do think that. Uh, this is not an immediate threat, but it, it remains a possible threat. And you can read in the uh, in the trade journals the most lyrical accounts of how necessary it is to get hold of the children, because then they will be loyal brand buyers later on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, again, the, you just translate this into political terms. The dictator says they will be loyal ideology buyers when they're grown up. The, all democracies are based on the proposition that power is very dangerous and that it's... Uh, Extremely important not to let any one man or any one small group have too much power for too long a time. After what are the British and American constitutions except devices for limiting power? And all these new devices are extremely efficient instruments for the imposition of power by small groups over larger masses.
0: Now that explains how people with very bad intellects, if any intellects whatsoever, do I have to name them? such as Occasional Cortex and the entire left-wing brigade of social fascists, have gained such a grip on the brainwashed, pharmacologically altered children of America. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation.
4: First of all, the question of education. Uh, I think it's uh, terribly important to uh, insist on individual values I mean, what is there is a tendency, as um, you probably read a book by White, The Organization Man, a very interesting, valuable book, I think, where he speaks about the new type of group morality, group ethic, which uh, speaks about the group as though the group were somehow more important than the individual.
0: Group morality, group ethics. Was he right or was he wrong? Was he right or was he wrong? Now, combine that with Adderall, Ritalin, Adderall, whatever else they've been throwing at our children for 10 years now, and what you have is a complete generation of zombies. Not only do they not know their own history, they don't know the history of their own people, their own family. They don't know anything about America, what made America. All they know is the garbage that the communists in the school system have put into their undeveloped brains, and as a result, you have people like Bernie Sanders who can come along, again, the most dangerous man in the history of American politics, precisely because he looks harmless. Remember if he was a flaming communist, which is what he is, and he screamed and yelled on the platform instead of making himself look like a feeble old man from New York who just wants the goodness for society and the goodness for mankind. Uh, he isn't that. He is the most dangerous man in American political history. How else can you explain? Uh, I'm going to jump to politics for one minute. That a man like Bernie Sanders would thank the most phenomenal anti-Semite Jew hater in history, Rashida Talab. Listen to clip number one. Listen to the madness of this man.
4: I wanted to thank Rashida Talib for doing that exactly. What she and other members of the so-called squad are doing is every day because i know these guys and they're out there fighting
0: what rashida is doing stop right every there. day now here's a guy who was not jewish when he started to appear on the national stage he said he had no religion then his handlers told him you better identify as a jew you'll get some traction amongst the liberal jews who were suicidal by and large then he declared he was jewish uh, and now he's supporting a phenomenal anti-semite who hates jews and hates israel in order to appeal to the Muslim vote, especially those of the type that would appeal, uh, that would be of some interest to this uh, T Lab c- character. So, as again, I'm telling you, you know, you're playing, I'm playing Huxley here. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about technology. I'm talking about propaganda. I'm talking about a brainwashed generation. That he could get away with this and not be roundly condemned in every synagogue in the United States of America. What does that tell you about the liberal Jewish community? You know, if you go into a reform synagogue in America, you look at the people, they look like nice people. Most of them are nice, kind people. At least they think they are. And they hate Donald Trump with a vengeance that you cannot comprehend. You go in a reform temple, a Jewish temple, and they think Donald Trump is, 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 is a descendant of Adolf Hitler, who hates the Jewish people when he has done more for the Jewish people than any president in American history. How did that happen? How can the reform, the liberal Jewish people, many of whom are successful business people, doctors, lawyers, how can they be so brainwashed as to believe Donald Trump is their enemy when he is the opposite? How did they get there? How did they arrive there? Where was the countdown to this level of stupidity uh, and insanity? How did the Jewish people end up like that? I don't have a direct answer for you. I can give speeches on it, but it won't change one vote. I'm afraid that some people are so lost they can never be found. And uh, in, in my estimation, unfortunately, too many of them are in the places I just mentioned. Now let's go back to the bigger picture here, the philosophy of... The unbrave in the world in which we find ourselves, where a American hater, Israel hater, Jew hater like Bernie Sanders can pretend to be a lover of, ver- of very things he hates, and yet support one of the most vicious anti-Semites in American political history. It's astounding that he gets away with it. Every rabbi in every synagogue in this country should condemn Bernie Sanders for supporting this Rashida Tilab and yet. You will not hear one word in one reform temple across the entire American landscape saying what I just said. Instead, they will attack Donald Trump while eating their bagels and lox on Saturday morning. That's the sad truth. Is it any different in a Catholic church today? Tell me, is it any different in a uh, Episcopalian church today? Tell me, is it any different in any church today? except the most fundamentalist churches who know what reality is and know what America is made of. The men and women who create the children who fight our wars, they know what reality is. It's their children who go to war. It's their children who fight for our freedom. They've not been brainwashed. And yet the opposite, the opposition are the ones who have been brainwashed. Michael Savage. A host like no other. I can almost summarize the entire show today to one question, which is, is freedom necessary? It seems to me that an entire generation has grown up in this country fearing freedom, not wanting freedom, eschewing freedom, wanting the state to take control of their lives, which is why they want socialism. They want a government uh, to be their parents. That's what the appeal is to them. If you read "Brave in the World," remember there were sayings as the, ch- as the embryos and the children were being, first the embryos, then as they emerged, the children were being brainwashed. They constantly saw propaganda with signs and billboards, uh, which said things such as "freedom is slavery." As they lived in this automated society, that would think for them. So just like that caller who said when he mentioned to this millennial at work. He saw the movie 1917 and she said, I don't know what I think of it. Let me look it up on on the internet. To her, freedom is slavery. She doesn't know what to think. She'd rather be uh, a slave. A slave to Google. A slave to the iPhone. This is the exact danger that Huxley warned us about. And it's all in the hands, when you think about it, of people like the character who runs Apple. A very dangerous dictatorial type, uh, which we can go into at another time. There's too much power in too few hands. A rational government would break up these big tech companies. It's never going to happen. I saw this a long time ago. They've been in and out of this White House. Sorry to tell you. It looks to me like deals were made with some of these guys in ways I will never, ever know or understand. Uh, And as a result, there will be no breakup of big tech, which is a disaster for humanity. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure so you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.